Here we go, season seven. All aboard. If you missed it, here's what we believe. 66 book canon. We believe in a 66 book canon. There is no more, there is no less. It's 66 books. That Yeshua, who is preached by the apostles in the Gospels and in the epistles, is the only means of salvation, as we are calling Yeshua, means. In other words, justification is by faith alone and not by works that any man should boast. Faith working through love. We are unashamedly Trinitarian. We're also unashamedly uh, doctor, believe in the doctrines of grace, what is commonly referred to as Calvinistic. The, the new covenant is not time bound. That is to say that the, the horizon of the faith of our father Abraham is no different. Right. No, no, it is not shy of the horizon of our hope and our faith. In other words, the, that salvation was salvation was the same for Abraham as it is for us. Right. Wednesday, September 16th, <clears throat> pardon me, 2020, this is Messiah Matters number 313, ready to share my opinions, and I still hold to Calvinism. My name is Caleb Haig. And <laughs> coming to you live from upstairs, and not my office, I'm Rob Banner. Hence, <laughs> no microphone. Um, <laughs> okay. I hope to have that fixed uh in the future, but so okay. yeah, my voice probably sounds a little echoey. I would imagine it sounds like you are using a computer mic. Yes, and that is, and so if I click on my keyboard, you probably can hear that too. That was fake typing. I wasn't really typing anything. Thank you. Uh, uh, okay, so um, let's just jump right into my rant. First of all. We got a lot of pushback on our talk of MacArthur. Let me turn myself down here a little bit. Okay, and the reason why is because, first of all, a lot of people misunderstood. We're not saying that a that the Bible forbids us to say the name of God. That's not what we're saying. And it seems like a significant amount of people believe. Now, by the way, you can go back and, and watch episode 312. Uh, we talk about MacArthur and his new tr Bible translation and the fact that they're going to put Yahweh in when, everywhere that it that Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh -Heh is in the Hebrew text. Now, the problem with this is not that people are all of a sudden going to be saying the name. The problem is, is that the scribes took, and maybe we didn't describe this well. You can go on the Torah resource and find this. By the way, let's thank all of our producers. Um... You can go on to Torah Resource and find uh, different things on the sacred name. But basically, the scribes didn't write the vowels in. There were no vowels. And by the time the scribes did start writing vowels in, uh, they, didn't, they, didn't put the, they didn't put vowels in for how to pronounce it. They put vowels in for how to substitute it, like Adonai. 
they, they put the vowels in for Adonai, not for yod heh vav Right, and that's a contented, cont- uh, contentious claim for some. Sure. Caleb, what Caleb just said, people say, oh, that's not true. Right. It's Yehovah. Well, here's a guarantee. If, if it were true that what the scribes put around the tetragrammaton is how you pronounce it, then MacArthur's still wrong <laughs> because right. they're doing Yahweh, and there is no... <laughs> there's no vowel points anywhere that says Yahweh. That's a purely invented. I, I think that I think that um, I think that in this is just a, a suggestion or a thought, but I it it makes sense to me that 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 MacArthur and his team would put in something that everyone's used to, and Yahweh is like the most predominant right. Christian pronunciation. But, but, well, but it originated in the academic domain, not in that's that's the weird thing. That's the that's the weird thing. Uh, the Jehovah is is the pronunciation, and then the changing. Oh well, it's not a J; it's a yeah. So Jehovah originated at least within the Catholic, you know, the well, the Roman Catholic Church sometime, you know, in the 13th, 14th century, probably. Um, but as okay. a mis, as a misreading, right, so. But- it, least came from within uh, the church. The, the Yahweh pronunciation does not come from within the church. It's a it's taken from outside and then and now put forth as something important. It's like it's like it's like the church. What MacArthur's doing, he's take, taking something from the secular domain and then upholding it as super important in the Bible. It's, it's completely wrongheaded, in my opinion. But here's the point. the The point is, is that we're not saying. Look, if all of a sudden we knew, hands down, no shadow of doubt whatsoever, that this is how you pronounce the name, and there are groups out there that claim this, but if, I mean, if somehow we all of us, everybody in the academic world recognize this is exactly how they pronounce it, I have no problem pronouncing the name. It's not about pronouncing the name of God. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that you have, I don't know how many different, probably 30 different pronunciations that people have come up with of how to pronounce the name. And MacArthur has reached into a bag and pulled one out and decided this is the one we're going to use. Actually, and I think this is where I'm thinking this, that he's not sharp on this front. Is it, he didn't, he's not the one that picked it. Yes. Other people who are enthusiastic that are under his care and that he respects chose it and he's going along for the ride. He's there's, on the train. There's two other things that come out of this. First of all, people were very I, – I want, I want to first say this. <clears throat> I highly respect John MacArthur. Oh, I, totally. I do. I defend MacArthur on many different things. I think that he is a uh, he is standing firm for his church in a horrible situation down in California right now. I think that he is a rock for that community. And I think that the Lord has blessed his ministry greatly for good reason. Um, I, I have high respect for him. I listen to his podcast on a very regular basis. I consult his commentary every single week. Um, because I'm going through Acts and he's written on the entire Bible. I stand in awe of the fact that this man in our modern time has taught through every single verse in the Bible. And I, uh, I mean, he's a, he's an exemplar of perseverance. Exactly. And he's a man of God. I truly believe that I disagree with him on certain things. I can name a couple. I disagree with his view on the Sabbath, the festivals. I disagree with his, uh, view on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's t- there's different things that I can say I disagree with. On this, I disagree with him. That's not disrespectful. 
People, oh, you're so disrespectful to John MacArthur. I highly respect John MacArthur. Disagree, disagreeing with him is not disrespectful, first of all. Second of all, we'll move to, somebody said, um, okay, well, uh, Rob made a comment. He said he looks like a weary, tired old man. Now, I'm not going to sit here and uh, in YouTube comments try to defend something I didn't say. That's for Rob to defend. At the same time, it should be noted. MacArthur is 82 or 83 years old. The guy works 60 hours a week. I'm not saying I'm not trying to down him, but what I am saying is that he has put what I will say personally is that he has put the translation of this Bible. He's he's put that on the shoulders of other people and possibly rightfully so. In other words, if I was going to try to produce a, a translation of the Bible, which I would never do, but if I was going to do that, I would not do it alone. I wouldn't think that I'm going to do it alone. I would acquiesce to the experts of the languages. Now, whether or not uh, MacArthur is tired and old, he's 82. He's working. I mean, 60 hours a week is probably a gross understatement. I don't want to put the man down. And, and you know, if he's working 80 hours or 100 hours a week and he and I say 60 hours on paper, the minimum that he's working is 60 hours a week. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm sorry for saying that. I mean, I, I didn't, I did not mean it. I, I can hear now, you know, I haven't gone back and looked at the actual clip, but I know, I remember I said something of the sort and that that's not very uh, good thing to say. Um, it might, if I were just to have an opportunity to say it again, I would say it differently. But, but I point out, and my point is this, is that I, I, I believe that Dr. Chu is He's le he's the one holding the reins. Yeah, he's steering the ship this, on this on on this ad Yahweh everywhere, and I'm disappointed in Dr. MacArthur for um, I'm disappointed that he did not have the the, cl the the clarity of discernment to see the foolishness of this path, and right. and I my my mind jumped and said you know he. he he does look tired in the video. I, I don't back down from that. He looks tired. To say he's a tired old man is a derog kind of derogatory, and I didn't need to say that. So I, I regret saying that. Beyond, but, beyond but, that. But he is old, no question, and he looks tired. You know what? It, there's there's going to be videos where I'm going to look tired in this show. And I'm, if someone says, Rob, you look tired, I'm, that's not gonna, I don't see that as derogatory. You look like a tired old man. <laughs> so, so, but the point is this, here's, here's the deal is that it, this is not neutral because they're, you're going to have thousands of people buy this Bible and start reading it as part of their devotional life. And, the, and in churches, this, they're going to preach from it. And now is, it's yeah. creating a mess that now another wave is going to have to respond. And I would say, you know what, it wouldn't surprise me that if the Lord tarries and we continue on that another edition will come out in the future and they're going to move it back to Lord. And they're going to say, yeah, you know, swinging a miss. Well, what you just said is is what I brought up in some of the YouTube comment back and forth. If MacArthur sat, sat his church down and said, look, I think the pronunciation of the name is Yahweh. Let's start using it in our in our church liturgy and let's start, you know, let's start using it in church. OK, that's up to him and his eldership. But but one of the reasons that this is such a uh, such a large mistake is a whether MacArthur knows it or believes it or whatever he has taken aside he's taken aside in the sacred name controversy exactly that's, that's, that's number one point. that's number one number two he is producing a bible 
And that Bible is going to be used not just by his community, but by thousands and thousands and thousands of people worldwide. And so this doesn't just affect his community. It affects a much wider. And I know people are going to say that, oh, yeah, you know, the same with the COVID thing. No, I stand with John MacArthur fully in keeping his church open. And I hope that he continues to fight. I'm, I'm willing to stand next to him and, and, and fight uh, that battle as well. Um, but the point is, is that I think that in terms of this, he's chosen a side in an in a issue that doesn't really need to be chosen. And that's, I think that's probably. Right. The, and I feel like that's what I mean. That, that's the disappointment is that he didn't really research the matter out. I think he's trusting these, the younger pup here to lead and it's the wrong direction. I, I unequivocally, is that the word? It's the wrong direction. So one of I the, say that with every cell in my being. It's, it, it's the wrong direction. Another thing that came out of this is that somebody said, well, you know, after some back and forth, and I respect this person. I'm not trying to put them down. But somebody said, well, Caleb, that's your opinion. That is right. It is my opinion. Hence the reason that we do this show. We do this show because we bring forth our opinions. And I'm not going to come here on to this show and not give my opinion and just state other people's opinions. That's not how this works. It, there are literally, I think, hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there that people can listen to. There are hundreds of thousands of YouTube teachers and videos and shows. People come to this one to hear our opinion on things. I don't know why, but they do. And so I'm not going to, you know, and we got this comment, uh, you know, there's a gentleman who who continues every single week almost, it seems like at least. He comments about our view on Calvinism. As if all of a sudden his, his YouTube comment is going to make me say, oh, wow, yes, I shouldn't be a Calvinist anymore. And I said, look, it's fine. He said, oh, you, you, you that's you, man. You just know everything. I said, no, 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 I don't know everything. I certainly don't know everything, but I believe that the scriptures say this and this is, you know, and therefore I'm going to stand by the scriptures. But I find it interesting that you come and you comment on like, why do you feel the need to comment on our videos every single week? And he wrote back, I'll read you his comment. He says, because you keep talking about it as if it were true. Well, I believe that the Bible says it's true. He says, the doctrines of grace is another name for Calvinism, not in the Bible. And I can prove it to you. By simply applying context and not changing the meaning of the words such as sovereignty or election or predestined, etc. And you just proved my point. You do believe to have it all figured out. That's why you just said you have the right to be wrong. Mm, not much spirit of grace. Look, once again, my opinions. How am I supposed to say that I disagree with someone without people telling me that I don't have enough grace? Like, oh, well... You know, I might disagree, but this person brings up some great points and, and we should really listen to them. No, I'm sorry. I used to hold to that view. I used to hold to a free will model. I believe it's wrong. You don't have to agree with me. But the idea that I'm going to come on here and, and say, oh, well, let's just let's just kid glove around with everyone and not tell people what we actually believe because that might not exhibit grace. Right. Let's just let's just you know, handle everybody with kid gloves. Have you seen any rainbows and kittens today? No. We come on this show to tell people what we believe and why we believe it and why we think the scriptures say it. If you don't believe in the doctrines of grace, that's up to you. 
I'm sorry that you feel that way because I think that the Bible contradicts that view, which is why I continue to, to talk about the doctrines of grace on this show. However, there are a lot of people out there and there are a lot of, of uh, podcasts out there and a lot of YouTube shows. Why in the world people decide that they're going to come on to our videos every single week and continue to harp on the same thing is beyond me. I mean, come on, start your own podcast. Show people why you disagree. That's fine. I don't get it. Okay, I'm done. Let's move on. We call that a hag rage. A hag rage, yes. Much like the Hoff goes off, but not nearly as much passion. Okay, um, so we talked about MacArthur. We got an audio clip. You haven't heard this. I, we haven't even talked about this. Uh, okay, hang on just a sec. Now, I'm going to show this comment. Hang on. Uh, this person in the chat room, laugh out loud. These people follow Calvin, not the Torah. The Torah says God chose Israel, the Jewish people. Yeah, so that proves Calvinism. Literally, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Literally, what this person just said proves Calvinism. Yeah, God it's, chooses. That's, a, that's called election. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's called election. And not only that, but uh, <laughs> I love the passage where where Abraham uh, tries to reason with God and say, "Look." Give the give the covenant blessing, give the covenant to Ishmael. Was God say no, because I have chosen Isaac and his seed after him, and his yeah. seed after him. Did Isaac have a choice? No, of course not. So, thank you very much in the chat room for proving our point. Good job. Okay, um, let's move on. Uh, we got an audio clip. And uh, this audio clip, Rob has not heard. Let's yeah, you know it. what? Wait, before we do that, on right. this thought of God, people want to say, put the choice is in the individual, right. right? I have the free, I have free will to choose God or not. The question is, do you, okay, let's just take that. Does God have, does, is God choosing you, but then waiting? Or does God have free will to choose you or not? So if, if, if the person has free will, they're saying God does not have free will because they're saying God is static. God's there whether I choose him or not. And I can I can take it or leave it. This comes down to open theism. And it's like, it's like wait a minute. Wait a minute. It, the it, person just quoted, yeah, God chose Israel. And when God chooses, it is uh, eternal. It's a persevering. It is covenant faithfulness through and through because he does not change. We change our, it says throughout the prophets, the, the chesed of man is like, it's like the dew. It's there in the morning and then it burns off. It's gone. We are not faithful. We are not faithful. That is one of the elements, one of the core points of the doctrines of grace is, is total depravity. We don't have any faithfulness. It is only by the Holy Spirit. It is only by Yeshua paying for the sins of the elect that we have the Holy Spirit, that we have the gift of faith, of new life being born from above, that where God is in fact our Father, and we don't, it's not like we can leave. We can't divorce God. We can't, like, you know, these kids that divorce their parents, like, or whatever. <laughs> there was a movie about that, like, a long time ago. It just, that just doesn't happen. I mean, should we That's, put people in time out for ignorant comments? I don't know. It's up to you. I'm not, I, I, I'm adhering to my newly you know, more recent custom of not having the chat book. Okay. Chat um, well, let's just say this. If, um, so the person's comment was about, uh, oh, the Jewish people should interpret uh, the Torah, not Gentiles. Um, yeah, they have. They had. And, and we have the Greek, the Greek Torah. 
yeah. thankfully. <laughs> we have the they, they interpret it for us. We have, you know, the Greek. I love it when prophets. people say I love it when people say that. What Jews are you talking about? Dr. Michael Brown, my father Tim Hay. No, no, no. We have it historically, yeah, we have all sorts. <laughs> we have the Qumran, we have the Rabbinic, we have a whole sea of Jewish interpretation of the scriptures. Right. And you know what? There's a there's a there's a, a man that walked the earth that was God incarnate. And through him, we know the Torah. And I, it's interesting. I, I'd like to, before we uh, take off from this, is from John chapter 8, which I just happened to have um, in front of me. This is Yeshua talking to Jews. So a Jew talking to Jews. He says, he says, it is my father who glorifies me, of whom you guys say he is our Elohim. He is our God. And you have not come to know him. But I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Okay. This is the same passage where, where he says, uh, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the deeds of Abraham, right? If God were your father, you would love me, right? He says, you, uh, why do you not understand what I'm saying? Because you cannot hear my word. You're of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. Okay, this is this is the gospel of John. You know, it's clear. Don't listen to every every Jewish interpretation is not right. Yeah. Otherwise, you could listen, you could side with the wrong people here. Are you gonna listen to Yeshua's word? Or are you gonna listen with the people that are saying he's born of fornication? Or that he's that, you know. Yeah, that I, he should be put to death. Like it's so it's so stupid. Sorry, it is. That's a that that is a stupid statement. So uh, the last thing I'm going to say on this, and then we'll move on to our our uh, phone comments, uh, is that if you're going to believe in free will and true free will model, then you have to believe in open theism, which is that God doesn't uh, God doesn't know what's coming. In other yeah, words, God does not know, which is contrary God's not to in Isaiah, control. right? He says, it's Magid Merishon Acharit. I declare the end from, from the, beginning. the beginning. Exactly. Okay, that's Isaiah. We don't even have to go to the Gospels. We don't even have to go <laughs> to the Apostolic Writings. We can just say, look, Isaiah says God declares the end from the beginning. That's not open theism. That's not open theism. My boy is wicked smart. Okay, um, wicked so, smart. <laughs> so we should, we should, I should pull that as a sound clip and put it into our soundboard. Okay, um... <laughs> Uh, if you want to call our comment line, do so. It's 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. If I could get it out, that'd be great. And uh, you're not going to talk to us. You're just going to hear a message machine and then leave your comment like this young man did. Let's take a listen. Hello. My question I have for everybody is if you live in an area where there is no viable eldership or leadership, um, meaning you are essentially without a congregation and without a community. And a matter has arisen in which you need communal guidance and wisdom of leadership and elders. Where could we turn to in situations like that? if we don't have a community established where we live at. Okay. I think that this is a great com uh, comment. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, 
ultimately, really good one. ultimately got a couple of things going on here. First of all, this highlights the need for community. It need it it, show, it shows how believers uh, should long and should uh, strive and should do everything in their power to try to be into in viable communities. If that means starting one, that means starting one. If it means um, if it means moving, it means moving. So, um, but I I know that this man has probably heard our our comments on community before, and understands uh, how you know how all of that probably should work. However, some people uh, are in places for one reason or another and are, are not don't have access to a community. Um, I think that several things could be done here depending on the situation. First of all, if you're there's there's a lot of ambiguity here. Is the dispute between you and a neighbor? Is it between you and a family member? Is the person that you're disputing with here or need counsel on? Are they a believer? Um, if they're not a believer, then uh, you know it's gonna it's gonna be difficult. Um, it, no matter what. Ultimately, I think that uh, seeking counsel from a from the nearest community could be a option, um, depending on how great the matter is. Um, then I hear it. I hear. Uh, I hear in his voice. Uh, this is my interpretation, you know. Of course, I hear in his voice uh, like a sincere. Of course, like 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 you yeah. said, Caleb. You just used the word longing. I hear that. Like there's a need. Um, in, in much of my experience, even when there is community, people are still following multiple teachers. In other words, they're trying, they're, they're not really submitted to an authority. That's pretty rare. It's rare in my, and again, my limited experience, it's rare that people are, um, are that sincere and settled with saying this, this, you know, these elders are my authority. Rather, my, in my experience, people are um, muddled up with confusion because they've been chasing different clickbait YouTube theologies and they just carry around with them. Remember, like, uh, is it Pigpen? Remember the old Charlie Brown? Pigpen would come in and he has his, uh, he just has this dust, like, dirt around him everywhere he goes. Okay. I see most of the people, it seems that I interact with in the messianic world, I would say a large section of them are kind of like that. They're except they're not dirty personally, but they're carrying around a whole bunch of heretical kind of ideas that are unfinished half baked ideas that they reside in. And they're not really in the same lane that the, the gentleman that left that voicemail for us. And um, because the idea is, oh, I'll just find another YouTube video. You know, I, I, I had someone contact me. I, I had a phone conversation with quite, I think for an hour the other day. And the person told me that they received by revelation how to pronounce God's name. And now it was their mission to go around and and teach people this and declare it. I'd never met this person. Uh, apparently for three years, they studied the Bible and were very prayerful about it and had dreams and um, believed that God himself 
revealed this to them. And I said, well, during that three years, did you ever study Hebrew? No, no they have not actually learned Hebrew. So um, this is another example. And, and I, I had to say, well, this actually ties in directly to something that we're going to talk about next to you. But why would you need to study Hebrew if you have a direct line to God? That's what, that's what I mean. I said, and I, I tried, this person was from a, a English as a second language. And so I said, imagine in your native language, let's say there was a sacred, a religion that had a sacred text. And I came to you and I, I couldn't read that text except for translation, but I came to you and told you what, how to say a certain word that was in your native language, right? It was just an attempt to try to convey how, how, how silly this idea is. And that now you're by revelation have to go, you consider yourself on mission and even sinning now, if you don't pronounce it the way it was revealed to you. And I'll, I'll tell, I won't say the way it was uh, in their estimation, but it's different than what the MacArthur Bible is publishing. So there's no submission to any external teaching authority because it's all, I obtained it by revelation knowledge. And I, I'm so convicted about it that if I don't do it, it's sin. And actively, I am, believe I am on mission to teach it to other people. So that to me is a big problem. That's a completely different spiritual orientation than what I hear in this man's voice here. And the problem is in the Messianic movement, we have all sorts of uh, people between on the spectrum. And uh, or if it's even on a spectrum, it's the people who don't really care about authority because they believe they can research and come up with, with their own revelation knowledge, which is weird. It's like it was um, the idea of I studied it out and it was revealed to me are, in my opinion, two is a confused matter. A revelation has nothing to do with what you study. Right. <laughs> the idea of revelation is that just boom, here it is. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't uh, have to learn anything. It's just delivered to you. OK, I'm going to reel us back in here for just a okay. few seconds. Two things. First of all, uh, what you're talking about actually gets to the to a matter that is that happens within community, which is that both parties, if you have a disagreement with somebody who is a brother or sister, both parties have to submit to the authority of the community. And that, and I think what I hear Rob saying is that rarely happens even in community. Oftentimes people get mad at each other. They're not going to, they're so mad. And what it's, you know, it's like, a, it's like the way I'm that, out of here. It's I'm like, out of it's, here. it's like the way people date today. Oh, I'm mad at you. This isn't going to work. I'm out. You know, or there's divorce, or even in or even marriage. Yeah. I'm out. I'm, I'm leaving. There's no, there's no idea of no. I'm in this for the long haul. I have to I have to submit to authority. That's so that's number one. Number two, if you have a matter that um, and you don't have any spiritual authority over you currently, the only thing that I can say, there's two options that I would give this gentleman and uh, they might not be good options. I don't know, but they're the only two options I could personally think of. That is find a community close to or as close as possible um, that you trust or, you know, leaders that you trust and uh, ask them to, you know, uh, to look at the matter. Or there's also Peacemakers, which is a organization that actually um, works with believers to try to resolve issues. Um, and I don't know if they're good or not, but I know that that's what they do. 
Um, so it's those those are options. Uh, we have a comment that I, I just have to comment to. This person says, notice how quickly they suppress anyone who disagrees with them or disagrees with Calvinism. It, the, the reason that I put that person in timeout was not because of their views on Calvinism. See, th- and this is another thing. If you're not going to try to understand what's going on, then it's really hard to try to, to comment back and forth. It had nothing to do with Calvinism. It had to do with the fact that they said that a per, that only Jews can interpret the Torah. That's bloodline superiority, which is spoken against in in Ephesians, and it's a conversation that is that we've had so many numerous times on this show that it's I mean it's like beating a dead horse with a stick. Uh, we don't need to go over this again and again and again. If you disagree, look. I realize that within whatever movement you want to call it, the Torah movement. Within whatever, I know that Messianic Judaism, I know that Hebrew Roots Movement, I know that the Torah Movement, I would say 80 to 85% of people within that movement, those movements, are hold to uh, Armenian theology, hold to a free will model. I expect to get pushback. That's totally fine. They're good believers, they're good brothers and sisters who believe in a free will model. Uh, you know, that's... Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's one core point. Is just if someone believes in a free will model, I don't think that disqualifies them or that's not a sign that they're not a believer. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't see it that way at all. I just see it that are, they are in a little, you know, kicking or playing ball in a little fenced area. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. and you know what? I used to be in that realm. So I'm not going to sit here and try to be, you know overbearing and all that but what here's the one thing i can tell you about the difference between um a free will model and a doctrines of grace model it doesn't matter what side you're on that belief and that understanding is going to uh touch pretty much every piece of scripture that you look at in one way or another in other words it's a pair of glasses that you put on to to look at the scriptures and people will say, "Oh, well, I don't, do, I don't believe in either one." Uh, well, okay, I know that people try to say that they don't. Right, believe I've heard in, that. Uh, oh, I'm neither. I just, I just believe the Bible. Yeah. You'll hear people say, and it's like that is a weak. That's a cop out because yeah. what they're what they're doing is they're saying, um, "I'm not going to engage on these important doctrinal issues." Right. But the point is, is that if you have a preacher or a teacher who's that you're listening to. Their belief, no matter what side of the fence they're on on this, is going to color the way that they interpret Scripture. And that's why I think it's important. I think it's an important um, important doctrine, not because I think that a person's saved or not saved, depending on which side of the fence you're on. That's not it at all. And I have good Bible-believing people. I have people in the congregation that I help lead that are that hold to a free will model. We have people who've come into our church and have... Um, openly disagreed during service. We've had people try to sit down and have conversations with me over meals and all sorts of things on this issue. I fellowship with people that hold to a free will model. So it's not the idea that, uh, you know, that they get kicked out, or they silenced. get kicked out or that they silenced or anything like that. But if you're going to sit here and try to uh, say that only Jews can interpret the Torah and that God's, that Jewish people are somehow holier 
on a different plane, they're 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 better than you because of bloodline, then I would encourage you to go read Ephesians. And I'm not going to let errant conver- uh, conversation like that be had in the chat room when it's not something that we're talking about. If you want to say that you're better than all than everyone else because you're Jewish by blood, well, first of all, you don't know who's in our chat room. You don't know who works for our company, obviously, then. Um, and it, it comes from a place of ignorance. That's all there is to it. Okay, let's move on. Erna, our um, most, uh, what, building up. She builds, up, she builds this show up the most. Uh, she has, she actually called me. And um, so I hope that I got her comment right. It's it's sometimes it's easier when I read it because then I can kind of go back through it and and see if I, I'm really understanding. But this is kind of what I got from Erna. She said, "Can you talk a little? Uh, can you talk a little about people who say the Lord told me or God spoke to me and said?" Now she she says that this is you know something that's prevalent and becoming more and more prevalent, and um, I. It's interesting because I kind of had forgotten about her call until last night when I read this in this book. I'm reading this book. It's absolutely dynamite. It's called The Story of the Creeds and Confessions, Tracing the Development of the Christian Faith. Um, Ryan M. Reeves is one of my favorite YouTube YouTubers ever. He's, I mean, each one of his videos is like a half an hour to 45 minutes, and I'm spellbound every single time. Um, really, really good stuff. This is what he says, and he's talking about Luther. There are uh, two authors to this book, and at this point, they're talking about the Reformation and what's leading up to some of the creeds that are created and the catechisms that are created because of the Reformation. And they've already gone over why the four different reasons why these creeds were actually created. Some of them were to try to avoid the stake. In other words, Yes, we might believe differently than the Catholic Church, but we're not heretics, and this is why, those kind of creeds. And at this point, they're talking about Luther and Zwingli and the two, uh, you know, these two German-speaking reformers who are um, preaching and teaching within the same realm, but at the same time, can't seem to come together. And what was their biggest... Uh, what was their biggest fight over? The presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, substantiation. Or, or transubstantiation. transubstantiation. However, Luther rejected the idea of transubstantiation, even though he pretty much preached it. There's a whole chapter on this. Anyway, this is what they say, um, talking about Zwingli and uh, Luther. Indeed, Luther even created a new word to smear spiritualists. And that word is fanatics. Luther wrote a, tre- uh, a treaty against this type of theology in his Against the Fanatics, 1526, arguing that those who claimed to follow the Spirit did so merely to disguise their own foolish desires. To claim legitimacy through personal divine inspiration, then, was regarded as a dangerous theological position. And I think that this is pretty much what Erna's seeing in our present time, is that people are saying things like, oh, God told me, or I heard from God, or they're basing their theological positions, like Rob already talked about this this person that he talked to, who it's their personal mission to uh, declare the name of the correct pronunciation of the name of God to everyone. This is all based off of 
uh, people's personal interpretation of what they say God has spoken to them as. Um, and I think Luther was dealing with this exact same thing. And I think that this is one of the reasons that he writes against fanatics um, is to basically say, no, these people are out to lunch and they're out to lunch because basically they're able to twist whatever theology they want and make up any theology they want by saying, oh, God told me. I think the same exact thing happens today. And my personal belief and, is... And, and it, just a footnote there, Caleb, is that there was also an agreement among the reformers of exegesis from the original languages had to be at least a bar. Right. You know, that had to be one piece of, 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 um, of the overall picture of someone worth listening to, of, of someone you want to listen to you you know if there's a check box a list of uh you know boxes to check one of them needs to be are does this person have competency in the original languages um because if not right there you can eliminate <laughs> some people like the person no i don't read hebrew but i have direct revelation of how to say that how to pronounce a hebrew word the most holy hebrew word even though the jews themselves don't preserve that i have special knowledge and i know enough now that I have a mission to teach it to others. That, to me, by the reformers criteria, and that, that would disqualify them instantaneously. I'm looking something up was scarce in those days. Where is this passage? I, I just heard, oh, 1 Samuel 3.1. Let me go to it in my Bible. <clears throat> I'm going to make a point here, I promise. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 3.1. <clears throat> It says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Right. There was no frequent vision. Uh, you know, uh, it says this about uh, in in First Samuel, but to me, this sounds like our day and age. And people people try to say, oh God's you know God spoke to me, or oh I got this revelation from the Lord. I'm not doubting that they, that the Lord does. Um, does, you know, do miracles today that the Lord does uh, guide people and whatnot. But I think that the word of the Lord is scarce in our day. Agreed. And the reason why I think that is because we have the, the word of God in our hands. He has spoken to us and the word is sufficient. If we want to know what the Lord says, if we want to know direction in our lives, if we, you know, all those kind of things, we go to the word first. If a person says to me, uh, well, the Lord spoke to me. Okay, so now the Holy Spirit is creating Scripture again, right? In other words, if you, if if the Lord speaks to you, and you can write down verbatim what the Lord said, that's inspired, right? Is that Scripture? Is it not Scripture? Like, how does that work? In my opinion, the the canon was closed, and uh, so. The fact is, is the Lord speaks to us through the word of God. Now, once again, I'm not suggesting that God can't at any point send an angel, speak verbally, you know, come in the form of a cloud, show up in the form of Yeshua, whatever. I mean, and I'm not a modalist. Please don't hear me say that. But what I'm saying is the Lord can speak to people, certainly. But does he in our day and age? I don't. Th I think the frequency that he speaks to people in that way is extremely rare, and I think that most of the people who say, "Oh, the Lord told me," 
No. No. Open up the scripture and let's look at the word together. And we can try to figure things out from, from there. But when a person comes to me and says, oh, the Lord told me, most of the time, it's not across the board, but most of the time, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt. Especially if the person does it often. Oh, I was praying last night and the Lord told me, you know, it's that person that gets, you know, that stands up in the back and, and is drinking coffee with you every single week and tells you that the Lord told him something new about you. It's like, dude, okay. Anyway, that's my, that's my belief. And we might get a lot of flack for that one, but that's okay. Thoughts before well, we move back on? Back to your point though, Caleb, that the, that the word of God is rare. I don't know what your translate did it say rare. Right. In your but yep. Yeah. Which means super precious also. In other words, you know, when something's rare, it's highly, highly valuable. But people don't people don't recognize it. If people are going around saying, Yeah, God told me this, or the Lord told me this, or yeah, God appeared to me and revealed to me how to pronounce his name, even though I'm a new believer and I don't know any Hebrew, right? You're like, oh, you know, there's in the in the Pentecostal kind of world, in the free will kind of model, there's space for you to go, oh, oh, okay. All right, brother. Hey, sister. Right. You know, um, you know what I mean? There's a tolerance for this. But what happens is it's like printing money. It's like when the government just prints a bunch of money, you know. There's no actual gold or silver like to back up this right. money. It's just print money. And what happens? The value just goes down to nothing because it's not substantive. It's not actually something to build on. And I think Caleb, one of the points you just made is, is God's revealed his word. And Yeshua says, whoever hears my word and does him, he's like a, a wise man who's building a house on, on a solid foundation. It's you're building on the rock. Joseph in the uh, chat room asks, do you reject personal revelation in prayer? I don't reject personal re revelation in prayer as I think that once again, God can do whatever he wants. However, um, I think that the idea that this happens on a regular basis, look, if, if I'm praying and I feel like I've gotten a, a special revelation from God, my first reaction is not to run out and tell everybody because that's not what we should do. Within the counsel of many, there is wisdom. The very first thing we do when we believe that we've got personal revelation from God is we go to the scriptures and see if it lines up with the scriptures. If it doesn't line up with the scriptures, we throw that personal revelation quote unquote out because that's not from God. The second thing we do is we take the, the personal revelation that we believe that we've had. We take the scripture and we go to counsel. We go to our biblical authority. We go to our brothers and sisters in the Lord and we say, this is what I believe the Lord has told me. What do you think? Does this line up? And if it doesn't, it's just, I think that too often <clears throat> people just think, oh, God's speaking to me. But God's not the only one who speaks in, right? in, first John, in the says, scriptures. Brethren, don't believe every spirit. Right. What does that mean? <laughs> that means, you know, if this battle is a heavenly battle, which Paul says it is, right? Oh, Joseph actually uh, clarifies. He says, Scripture coming to mind in prayer for personal application. I think the Lord does that a lot. I think that the Lord impresses on us certain things. Um, but and but that's exactly my point, is we go to would the Scripture. Call, I, I would <clears throat> call that revelation. I, I could understand why someone might call that a revelation. But um, 
but I, I don't know if that is the right word to use. In the, the, big the, picture. The, uh, this is a great conversation that's going on now in the chat room. What about all the Holy Spirit told I in feel the, left out. In no, the book of Acts? <clears throat> Jeremiah says, um, and then uh, he says, I noticed there are a lot of instances in Acts where the person personally hears from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this is true. And uh, I, I think that... Uh, I think there's a couple of things going on here. First of all, you're 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 hearing from Luke, who is writing in retrospect. Now, when when exactly he's writing? Is it Paul's second imprisonment in Rome? Is it after Paul has died? We don't know. But it's probably around 53, 54, something like that, maybe a little later. Um, so the idea is, is that <clears throat> how does Luke know? that the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. Well, it's been, first of all, uh, affirmed by counsel around. In other words, what uh, what happens in Acts a lot, it'll say, and the Holy Spirit told them, and they prayed and fasted. So it's not like, and the Holy Spirit told me, oh, boom, this is what we're doing. There's, it. I mean, that does, it does seem as though that might happen a couple of times, but ultimately you have also uh, uh, instances where, the Holy Spirit tells them, and then they pray and they fast about it. And the other question this is a really this is an awesome discussion. Maybe we need to do a whole show about this. Is in retrospect, what is Luke doing? He's he's demonstrating how the ruach ruach hakodesh is shaping the ecclesia. Right that that what Yeshua said, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That that is. Luke's point. That's what's happening. And we don't have the canon of the apostolic writings, like collected and gathered for believers as an entire uh, council of, of, te- of authoritative in- Ruach HaKodesh inspired texts for the governance uh, of the ecclesia. And so one of, yeah, yeah. Just, one of the things that you see in, in Acts also is Luke will say something like, and the Holy Spirit prevented them from going into this place, and instead they went to this place. Well, what we tend to forget is that, you know, chapters later, Luke moves over, like, so for instance, I'm thinking of specifically, okay, specifically, uh, Acts 20, verses 1 and 2. Acts 20, verses 1 and 2. If you look at the, uh, Luke says almost nothing about it. He says that they go down to uh, Corinth, or that Paul goes down to Corinth and spends three months there. That's about it. What he doesn't tell you is that there's all sorts of disputes that are going on. And during that time, during the two verses in Acts 20, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes 2 Corinthians and Paul writes the book of Romans. Now, he doesn't tell you that. But it's because of the disputes that are going on in Corinth that Paul writes Romans and Paul writes 2 Corinthians. And so Luke has the, uh, now we see that, by the way, how do we know that? If uh, You can go and read 2 Corinthians 1 through 7. And there's this timeline that he's now giving of what's going on during that time. So we hear it from Paul, but we don't hear it from Luke. All this to say is that Luke has the, uh, the ability to step back and see what actually happened and be able to say, if, if Paul would have gone this direction instead of this direction, we wouldn't have Romans. We wouldn't have 2 Corinthians. So there's a lot going on, and Luke has the ability to say, 
this is obviously of the hand of God. So when they prayed and they said, should we do this or should we do this? And the Holy Spirit told them, and how is he telling them? I don't know. Probably through, you know, there's prophets mentioned numerous times, maybe through the prophets, maybe through prayer. But when they say the Holy Spirit told them, Luke has the ability to say, yeah, he did. Because whatever, however they confirm that was true because we have these events that happened because of it. So it, it is a really good conversation. It's a really good discussion and something that we could spend a lot more time looking at. Okay, um, let's go back. Back to the notes. Sorry, the uh, I don't know if people realize this, but it is smoky out. And right before we came on, I told Rob that the smoke doesn't affect me, but now I'm coughing and feel like I... It affects me. It affects me, so I know my brain's in my lungs. <gasps> yeah, all of us who live on the west side of the country, in the United States at least, are suffering from the smoke. Sadly, at other people's tragic loss of loss of life, loss of uh, homes, etc., and uh, possessions and... But I, uh, my wife told me that even New York ha now has some of the smoke from the East Coast or from the West Coast. That's quite a spread. Yeah. We have two more things that we can uh, look at. Um, Joseph, I think that we're going to save yours. Uh, Joseph wrote in and asked about apostolic secession. And the video that you attached to that, jo Joseph's in the chat room, by the way. Um, the, uh, the video that you attached that, I haven't had the, it's like an hour long or an hour and a half long. I haven't had the time to go through it. Maybe I will this next week. Um, but it's a really interesting question. It's a good one. We will get to it at some point. For now, let's go to Evelyn. Evelyn writes, in Matthew 6, 7, Christ says the following, quote, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. However, Matthew 26, 39 through 44 records Yeshua praying the same thing three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. What's the difference between Christ saying the same prayer three times versus what he pointed out as vain repetitions in Matthew 6? Okay, so two things come to mind. First of all, my grandfather used to say that a person who uh, made long-winded prayers before meals forgot to do their morning devotions, which I thought of when... <laughs> I always think of when it says they heap up many words is, <laughs> you know, like when, when your kids start praying and, and it's like, they go on for, and thank you, you know, and it's like, dude, just thank the Lord for the meal. Anyway. Um, but the other thing that comes to mind is the idea of pagan mantras that are said, you know, the same word or the same phrase is said thousands of times in a row. And it kind of puts the person into a trance and, there's all these different kinds of um, things that they believe happen because of these mantras and these, you know, these words or whatever. Um, I think that that's more what's going on is the idea of, you know, saying the same thing over and over and over and over again in a single prayer to try to manipulate and or receive something special from the deity that you are praying to. And I think right. wh what is going on in Matthew 6, 7 is is that he's saying, no, 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 don't do that. God, you, we don't manipulate God. And what you see, however, in Matthew 26, is that Yeshua is human. That he is facing a horrific death. He knows he's going to face a horrific death. 
and he's uh, he's nervous. Maybe not nervous in terms of knowing what's going to happen, because it seems as though he does. But I think that human nature and the idea of I think that we as humans and living things instinctually don't want to die, especially a painful death. And I see this in Yeshua's prayers. It's this, uh, it's the human want to preserve life. Thoughts? Yeah, it's a great question, Evelyn. As always, thank you. Uh, one one uh, other passage from the scriptures that comes to mind that I think is helpful with understanding Yeshua's comment about uh, the vain words, the vain repetition, thinking, believing they will be heard, is uh, the uh, the situation of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Yeah. In First Kings eighteen, where where Eliyahu the prophet actually mocks them, uh, in verse twenty six. Um, it says, uh, they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, um, oh, Baal, answer us. There was no voice and no one answered. They, leap, they leapt about on the altar, which they made. <laughs> and it's verse 27. It came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, call with a louder voice, for he is Elohim. He is either occupied or gone aside um, or is on a journey. Perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. And then verse 28, so they cried with a loud voice and even cut themselves, with, according to their custom, with swords and lances until blood gushed out on them. Okay, and then at the very end, you know, punchline, no one answered. There was no answer. Nothing happened. Maybe that, he's in the latrine. Yeah, yeah. So the idea here is that's the example. That's, that's Gentiles, right? Uh, prophets of Baal. Now, there they're behaving like gentiles it it could be that they're actually israelites i think they're israelites that have totally gone astray um but there could be non-israelites also among the prophets of baal um but yeah there it's a gentile religion they, they're repeating themselves over and over, over again thinking they're going to be heard believing they're going to be heard and they're not going to be heard so Evelyn, uh, Evelyn's in the chat room right now. She says, I but asked, one other point is that Yeshua himself instructs us in the Sermon on the Mount, in the same larger uh, discourse, the Lord's Prayer. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, to me, I think that that is a core prayer that we are to repeat, for one, and be, you know, even if you think it's just an outline for, uh, you know, what what makes a good a, a core acceptable prayer to God as an offering, for example, is fine too, but it's still it's core repeatable words. Now, here's the issue of if we take it into the heart now and say, well, if I just say our father, heart and heaven, help you that name, I can come and will be down. Right. right. That's that. Now I'm just being like a pagan. It's like a mantra. Like I think Caleb, like you were saying. So the question is what's going on in the heart and you know, between Paul says, I'd rather speak, you know, what a few words with understanding and meaning than a thousand words of babble. I think Paul makes the same point. So uh, Evelyn is in the chat room and she asks, she says, I ask because I have Catholic friends who point to Matthew 26 as reason to pray ritual prayers like the Hail Mary. 
So repetition is not the problem, but <clears throat> vain repetition, re repetitions are the issue. Even the Psalms are repetitive. Here's what I would say is that within worship and service to the almighty God of Israel and the almighty God, the God of the Bible throughout history, all the way back, as far as we can tell, there has been uh, communal prayer and there has been liturgical prayer, if that's what you want to call it. Now, I'm not advocating for a specific liturgy, even up into the Re Reformation. Um, I was reading last night, I was, because of this book that I'm reading, I was reading Luther's Shorter Catechism. He gives you specific prayers to pray, you know, in the morning when you rise, say the Lord's Prayer, then say this confession, and then if you want, say this short prayer, right? And so, I mean, there's this liturgical element the the church started didn't start to lose this until very recently the idea of liturgical prayer and or written prayers that people say together has always been a element within worship that we can tell for a very long time even with it says they you know they devoted themselves to the prayers right, right? i mean so and we know within the rabbinic tradition there's there's also a highly rigid like a rigid meaning, it's well ingrained, well entrenched, liturgical life life cycle. Yeah, and here, so, here's here's uh, here on the other extreme. Or sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that I think that uh, the idea of liturgical prayer and or praying the Psalms and things like that, uh, you know, your Catholic friends may have some point in that uh, believers and even before the Messiah came on Earth, it seems that Israel engaged in set prayers. The Hail Mary is one I would not accept. And if, if, if there's any doubt ever about liturgical prayer, turn to the Psalms. The Psalms is your prayer book. Yeah, that, uh, that's, that's a good point. And you have the Lord's Prayer, right? For example. Right. Yeah. And, and here, we've talked about this before. I mean, in terms of rep repetition is not the issue because as we've talked about with Isaiah 6, the seraphim are saying, Kadosh. Yeah. Kadosh. Kadosh. Right? And it doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. Why? And 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 the, the millionth time they say kadosh is not any less sharp or clear right. or glorifying of God than the very first time. Right. Okay, so if that's going on in the heavenly realm and Isaiah gets a glimpse of that, and then he says, Man, my lips are unclean. That's a core lesson for us. He's not complete. He doesn't say, man, those seraphim just say the same thing over and over again, man. Are, don't they realize that that's vain repetition? No. So don't they have any other words? Uh, yeah. I, 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 I think <laughs> the point that Yeshua is making about vain repetition, there's he's speaking against something specific. He's talking about something that his audience knows. That's what I believe. I think that's a good point. That's fair. Idea uh, too. All right. We're going to get to Joseph's comment at a different time. I want to thank everyone. Look, people for some reason think that we don't like opposition. One of the ways that we um, structure the show is to talk about things that we disagree with. It's our opinions. It's what we believe, but that uh, we don't have everything right. Well, it, it, totally. And here's the other aspect. We've been doing this for, we're coming to the end of our seventh year right. of doing this uh, weekly program. And before that, Caleb and I have been involved in theological studies and we have not, if, if, if we're, if you liken us to being on journeys and, and we have the, the 
the doctrinal convictions and commitments that we are make right now, we didn't we didn't acquire or obtain or come to these because no one ever opposed us. Right. It's not like we just went to the Google and just found the yes machine and and came up with whatever Google fed us. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I guess my point is is that don't think that we are against people disagreeing. That's not the point. Um, but we are going to share our opinions and we are going to stand for what we believe. I mean, that's that's just something that we're going to do. Be a part of this conversation, 253-465-3205. Shoot us email, com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It really does help us. And last but not least, we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing and that is to glorify our great God and Savior Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well you know because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.